This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's roundup. No special announcements or anything, so let's jump right in and see what's been going on. First up, the Jaguar Game Drive is now back in stock at Stone Age Gamer. This is the ROM cart for the Atari Jaguar that could also play Atari Jaguar CD games as well with some optical drive emulation that's built in. And I did a video a while back with James, the creator, that showed all of the accessories that I love for the Jaguar as well as showed this thing in action. And then we also played a bunch of games at the end. So if you want to check it out, don't be intimidated by the really long length of the live stream. This stuff at the beginning is just all the hardware and showing off the ROM cart and stuff like that. So uh, if you're interested in how this thing works and some other pretty cool accessories for the Jag, check that out. If you want to hear more from James, the creator, I did an interview with him a while back and we should probably do a follow-up at some point. Always an interesting person to talk to. But yep, if you're looking to pick one up, the price is $190 plus shipping and they're in stock right now at Stone Age Gamer. And I'm not sure if they're back in stock at Retro Gamer stuff. I think each of these stores around the world kind of get them at different times. So if you're in the UK, maybe hold off till they go back in stock there or something. But if you're in North America and you were looking to buy a Jaguar game drive, now's the time to jump on it before they sell out again. So James usually does a pretty good job getting them back in stock reasonably, but um, you never know with this stuff. So if you've been waiting for one, jump on it. The ROM hack for the original Super Smash Brothers called Smash Remix just got a giant update featuring more characters, stages, music, gameplay modes, and balance changes. The full list of changes is available right from the website, and if you want to patch it, there's actually a web app that helps you patch the ROM right from there, which I think is absolutely awesome. Now, anybody that's ever used Lunar IPS or any of those tools knows that they're pretty easy, but it's just still really nice to have a place where you could take your ROM and then put it right through this web app and have it patch it for you. I thought that was really creative and really cool. So well done to that team. If you're a fan of the original Smash and you want to try this, I mean, I would just assume that anybody who's a big fan of the original Smash would really want to try this. This seems like a, a fun thing that could really just kind of unlock a whole bunch of stuff from that game. The only thing that it does require an 8 megabyte RAM expansion pack in order to run. So it will run on real hardware. You just have to make sure to have the expansion pack. So uh, anybody that's interested, just check out Alex's post, but this one looks like fun. 
Next up, all of the Armored Core games for PS1, PS2, and PlayStation Portable now have full dual analog movement support thanks to a developer called Van Laser. It doesn't seem like this is going to be available on original hardware, but this would be able to be used through emulation. And while it's not going to affect your turning as fast as injecting mouse support would, it's still something that's pretty cool because dual analog support was added since I believe Armored Core Nexus and Armored Armored Core 3 for the mix of both. So if that's something that you wanted on the original games and you use emulation, this is a pretty cool way to add it. And I'm always really interested in stuff like this because there's a few games that I think would have really benefited from things like mouse support or light gun support. I think Tomcat Alley would have been a a much more fun light gun game than than anything else. Uh, Even like Ground Zero Texas, I remember playing that with a controller, wondering why it wasn't a light gun game. So just the fact that there are still developers looking back saying, hey, I really want to enjoy some of my favorite games, but in a different way is absolutely awesome. So if you're a fan of the Armored Core games, definitely check out Donald's posts for all the details. And uh, there's even a video embedded in if you want some footage of it as well. Epos Fox just reviewed the Live Gamer 2.1 internal PCI Express version, and it's weird. While this is speculation, it really seems like they just took the USB version of that device and stuck it on a PCI Express interface, but with all of the limitations of the USB version. So that means you can't do things that the last cheaper generation could do, like 4K60 uncompressed capture, which not everybody wants that, but if that's true, if that speculation and guess is true, that's a pretty lazy way to port a product over, and it really does have a lot of limitations added in. So if this is something you'd be interested in, you really have to take a look at all of the feature sets, and content creators versus streamers might have completely different needs. So if you were looking for VRR 4K120 or 144 pass-through, but just to capture in, in standard and in, in capture and stream without really doing things like video analysis. You just want to stream your games for your friends and stuff like that. Then this would definitely be a better choice because the Live Gamer 4K doesn't support 4K 120 or VRR through pass through and stuff like that. But if not, why wouldn't you just get the USB model for the same price? Because you. At least this way you could easily move it between PCs. Now, I understand if that would be, uh, you wouldn't want that if you don't have higher speed USB ports. So this really is a device for people who need an internal PCI Express card that can do pass-through of 4K 120 or 144 VRR. And that's really it. Everybody else would either want to buy the USB version, because at least the limitations would make sense then, or get the older generation, which has gone down in price, and which I reviewed heavily and absolutely loved the Live Gamer 4K. However, I will say that um, there are more capture cards coming out within a few weeks. It is my strong personal opinion that if you're looking to buy something, I would always kind of take a look at what's coming next, but not count on it because you could just never buy new equipment if you're always waiting for the next best thing, which very often doesn't live up to hype, is delayed, whatever. But this is one of those cases where unless your capture card died and you need one today, right now, I would maybe wait a week or two and see what the Elgato ones do and if they are full performance or maybe they are, uh, they are, but they're way more expensive or you never know. I would just kind of wait for the extra choices to see um, and just kind of make your decision then. But Maybe maybe you're going to look at this and say, this is definitely what I need. I'll buy it right now. Maybe you're just going to pick up the original Live Gamer 4K. 
Either way, check out the Stream Professor's videos. He's got ones on both on the internal and USB version. Everything's linked right in the post here if you're interested. I recently tested the Atlantis Mini ITX board for the Mr. FPGA project, which is at its cheapest form an $11 board that's in the shape of a Mini ITX motherboard that you could just bolt a DE10 into. So yes, they do have more fancy options for you, and I do strongly recommend the $20 internal USB hub. But overall, this is just an amazing solution for people that want to get started with the Mr. Project. They want it in a case, but maybe they don't have the budget for a fully featured case and they already have a PC case that they have laying around and I just thought I love cheap solutions to get things started and I thought this was awesome I took an old small form factor PC I had which I went into why that was special to me in the live stream I don't want to waste everybody's time here with my stupid story but um, it is special to me and I really want to keep using it but it has a 18 year old motherboard in it that is completely useless today and no good graphics card so I couldn't even really use it for retro for gaming and stuff like that so I wanted to use it for the mister or for something and I, I wasn't really ready to invest in a fully featured mini ITX solution for it because I didn't know if it would fit I didn't know if the case would work out right so when I saw this I reached out to the creators and they were nice enough to send me one with a USB hub so thank you again I really appreciate that but it worked out perfectly and what I ended up doing was taking their $20 internal hub which had both regular USB ports but also motherboard style USB headers on it and that was key because then I could take the front USB ports of this PC case that I had and plug that into this little hub which now turned my front USB ports into controller ports for my mister and same with the rear PCI slot USB ports I had I was able to use that for two very large Bluetooth and Wi-Fi wireless antennas and then I could also had some internal ones if I needed to embed anything else in there, but I thought it was really cool. And I ended up taking an old IO board and using that to wire the OSD button to the front button. So that momentary push button switch brings up the on-screen display. There's a, I did a whole live stream on it. It was very cool. I also in the stream said, maybe this will last me for a couple months before I pull it apart and change it. And three days later, I pulled it apart and changed the IO board that was in it. But it's, you know, the curse of being a nerd who does tech stuff for a living but hardware stuff but i just i can't say enough good things about it for eleven dollars to get yourself started now of course you know there's other fancier things out there they offer uh, cool options including a case kit if you want it this is just one of those kits where you could do whatever you would like with it and i'm just a big fan of anybody who takes the time to you know do something cool and, and in depth but also have a cheap uh, like a beginner start out way of doing it. And $11 is as cheap as it gets. I do really think that internal USB hub is something you should get. So let's just call it $31 to get started. But that also means that you don't need a USB hub from, you know, just like the little ones that I always recommend. So you save your 10 bucks there. So this is pretty cool. Um, just a D10, a RAM module, this and the USB hub could get you started in any PC case you might already own. That's a really good way to get started on Mr. So shout out to the Atlantis team. Shout out to Lou. That's how I learn about all of my Mr. stuff these days. And if you want to see the live stream of what I did with it, I embedded it here. But it's a usual slow and steady, one step at a time, you know, talk about stuff as I do at live stream. So it might bore you to death. But if you want to see what it looks like, then uh, at least you have that option. 
I just posted a video about my absolute favorite cases and kits for the Mr. FPGA project, the Retro Castle kits designed by developer Ivory. And I've been using Ivory's kits for years now. You could see videos and posts from well over three years ago that have that distinctive small case with the Sega Saturn Mini did on the back. And I've always liked them, but I really held off on making a fully featured video about it because there was always stuff kind of going on and evolving in the Mr. Hardware scene. So I've done a ton of posts and different live streams about them, but I felt like now was the time to finally highlight the hardware itself because there's absolutely options for everybody. Do you need composite or S-video from your Mr.? Just grab the Saturn kit, flip some dip switches, and change your Mr. INI file. And thanks to the mic S cores, now you could just have true composite or S video in almost every core. And up until recently, that wasn't a thing. Now, Ivory did design a model that could convert RGB to S video, and as well as composite. And it was by far the best composite converter I've seen ever, because it had that variable capacitor that you could kind of dial it in. But now there's no need for that. I almost made this full-length video when that happened, but then once I heard the mic S cores were getting integrated, I figured then it was time to wait. Except now, there's even more options. There's one that is dual RAM and DAC compatible. So if you want to use something like direct video to either enable 24-bit DAC support with slightly higher video quality, or you just want the ability to run two RAM sticks, which at the moment no official cores require it, but it is upcoming for some arcade cores and the Jaguar beta core requires it, especially if you want to play Tempest, which is why you want to play the Jaguar core. But now Ivory has a solution for those as well. So in order to pick the case that you want, first you just choose, do you want a metal case or a plexi case? The metal art is just a little bit more expensive. Then decide, do you need analog video output at all? And if you don't, just grab the HDMI only case. They're still awesome. And if you do need analog video output, what do you need? Is it VGA and component? Or are you doing RGBS directly into a PVM or BVM RGB monitor? Then get the D-sub version. If you need composite S-video or RGB SCART, or I guess component video as well, then get the Saturn version. And then just decide, do you want the ability to run dual RAM? Or do you want the ability to have simultaneous 240p from the analog output and 1080p or some HD resolution from the HDMI? And that's basically it. Now, I probably should have ended the video with that very quick summary. I guess I just get too deep into the weeds of all the details and stuff like that. So that was the very quick summary of it. But please check out the video. I've always been a huge fan of Ivory's work. He's been so great to work with. And I just... I really glad I'm really glad that these kits finally are getting the love that they deserve. And there's always that stigma too of buying through AliExpress. It's like eBay, right? There are absolutely awesome sellers on eBay, but there's also garbage sellers on eBay. And it's the same with AliExpress. And I really think that's been one of the main reasons a lot of people have been hesitant because there's that stigma of, oh, if I give them my money, I'm just going to have to wait six months and it, may not, it might not ever arrive. And while that's not true with the Retro Castle stuff, I think now that Castlemania Entertainment is offering them in the U.S. as well, that's just a peace of mind of, okay, I get it. I can do a pre-order from a U.S. seller and the single RAM kits should arrive within weeks. Um, and then the dual RAM kits are coming shortly after that. But if you're more comfortable or if you have any kind of discounts or anything through them, then now you have choices, which I think is absolutely awesome. Also, if you were curious about the output conversation, the analog video output, let me very quickly summarize it. There are zero safety issues with any existing IO kit out there. 
barring anything crazy, if you plug it in in your bathtub, if the one that you're using got a solder blob in manufacturing and they weren't tested, like other than crazy in, uh, instances that don't apply to the mass design, there are no safety issues other than video cables for any of the other Mr. Kits. Now, I always talk about making sure sync is at the right voltage. I did that scary news tease, beware of Mr. RGB SCART cables, but it's all just proper info out there. Other than that, there are no safety issues. But there are other kits out there that don't output great analog video. And one of the reasons is the DAC quality, which I did not go into in this video. I hope to do a podcast with Kuro and maybe my friend Tech talking about why these things are important. But I did at the very least highlight the video voltage issue that I've seen in most other kits. And then I went back and did a live stream, which was the live stream was really to to double and triple down and show people that I'm not exaggerating about this. And in fact, in the live stream, I didn't calibrate the scope. I wasn't super careful with my measurements. If I really dug down and went back and did it right, I probably would have gotten all three colors the same on both kits. I probably would have gotten the voltages, uh, shown the voltages were at a better level. But that, I think, was a perfect apples to apples comparison to back up the findings of this video in that... The differences I showed in the video are real. Um, I also did it a little bit out of spite because I'm just so sick of the trolling and people making up crazy stories about me when you don't have to like me, but everything I've done since I started RetroRGB has been honest. And I'm the first person to, to yell when I make a mistake, but this is a real thing. If you care about video quality, and you, especially if you have like a Sony BVM, imagine buying a calibrated BVM and then, you know, wanting to make sure you get the highest quality out of it. That's why I go through this stuff. So if you want to, if you want to figure out what all that other stuff was like, watch the live stream. I also went into, um, I also redid some of the stuff in that mini ITX case. And I also found a pretty neat thing for a series BVM owners and mystery users. You might want to not use the, uh, a passive sync combiner. And I wish I could recommend that live stream to everybody because there was some fun nerdiness in there, but it was also a little bit, a little anger in there just because I'm kind of fed up with having to deal with some of this stuff. So if uh, you were one of the people I lashed out to on social media who just happened to ask a question that sounded the same as the trolls that have been after me, I do apologize, but I'm not going to stop because I don't, I, I, that's definitely my line. When people say that I'm uh, skewing results for affiliate links or whatever that stupid thing that came out last week was, I don't tolerate that at all. And in fact, one of the points I've always made is when I work with somebody and I become friends with someone, I we are our harshest critics because if we're not, we're useless to each other. Imagine if our friends just got together and was like, oh, what a great design, what a great, that is useless. And if you saw some of our private chats between our devs, you would really know that that is the absolute truth, that we are brutal to each other because it makes us all better. Whether it's how to edit your videos or the proper voltage on a Mr. Kit, we really make sure that we are all doing our best. And that's the type of thing that I'm really proud of. And I, I hope that I hope that seeps through in these videos, even if it's annoying that I talk too much about it. I really hope I get that point across. So sorry for the over-explaining, but that seems to be what I have to do. Because if I just show my results, people like to like to change what those 
mean. So sorry for the word vomit, but I wanted to be very clear about all of this stuff. And I also wanted to clarify how easy it is to choose which case you want. I really should have done a, a better summary at the end, just like I did here. So anyway, definitely check out the video if you're interested in Mr. Kits. If you want to know more about the voltage thing, check out the live stream. But I don't like any negativity. I almost wish you wouldn't because this video is a hundred percent positive and just shows what awesome stuff ivory's been working on and ivory's got one other product that's not as big of a deal as this one but if you're one of the people that needs it you're gonna go hmm and that hopefully i should have the final production sample in a couple of weeks so you certainly haven't heard the last of ivory another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Some awesome news for fans of the Sega Saturn. Developer Hitomi2500 just ported Artemio's 240p test suite to the Sega Saturn, and I believe released it on Artemio's birthday. Happy birthday, buddy. So this is huge because anybody who's been following any of the tech uh, testing stuff in the scene knows how important the 240p test suite is. Whether you're just doing very basic monitor calibration or super crazy deep dive testing like I showed in the last video, it is absolutely an imperative piece of software. And being able to run it on original hardware, and I guess even through Mr. Cores and other, other emulation solutions to, to try to match things up is just a giant, huge deal. And I'm so appreciative to anybody who helps out and works with stuff like this. Um, it, I really wish that we could magically just have the 240p test suite appear on every single platform, but that obviously takes a lot of time and it's a lot of effort. So the fact that a developer was willing to do that and help out is just absolutely amazing. So if you want more details and screenshots and everything, please check out the post from Dave. But honestly, just thank you so much to everybody involved, thanks to Artemio. This really has been just an absolutely crucial piece of software for anybody testing on the hardware and software development side, but also just for people that want to double check stuff and make sure their setup is good. I, I think one misconception is you don't need to use the 240p test suite to do some crazy deep dive testing. You could just be like, hey, let me make sure the geometry is okay in my monitor and press a couple buttons and a minute later, it's better just because of this thing. So thanks very much to Hitomi2500. And uh, this is this was a very awesome thing to see. Next up, Tito from Macho Nacho Productions just posted a video called A Detailed Restoration of the Super Graphics. But to be honest, I really think this video should be called How Anybody Who Seriously Wants to Restore a Retro Console Should Do It for Their Console. Because this really is a step-by-step -step guide to exactly what we've all been telling people who are serious about restoration to do. Now, just to pause for a moment, I'm not saying you should do this to every console you own. I'm just saying, if you've said, okay, I have this older console, maybe something's up with it, maybe I just want to preserve it to make sure it stays like it's in good shape, what do I do? How do I how do I do a full restoration? Watch this video. Tito's absolutely got it down. Basically, clean the crap out of it um, and do it. Clean it the correct way. Don't put stuff in dishwashers. It drives me nuts when I see bigger YouTubers saying that's okay to do. It's only okay to do in very special situations, especially if you have 
distilled water pumped in. Use Tito's method. It's so much better. And um, changing the capacitors, seeing if there's any no-cut mods that are available to enhance it, making sure that you could easily put it back to stock should that be something that you want to do in the future. He really just nailed every aspect of it. And the only thing at the end, which I asked, I asked him about after the fact, was the plastic restoration stuff that he added to it. I've seen the the similar type of thing where when you wipe it on the plastic it gets smooth and it leaves like a residue on your hands t sent me a console that every time i touched it i would like curse his name like damn you t now my hands feel weird and apparently it not all of the stuff acts like that and it doesn't do that with every console it depends on the plastic material so i would look that stuff up i would probably use the one t used to uh, or, or tito used to be honest the one that tian fong used probably was fine for every console and maybe just that one the the texture of it <clears throat> kind of made it slippery or slimy but Honestly, this was an awesome video, and uh, I just definitely check it out. And even if you're not the type to want to do this stuff, if you're the type to appreciate these things, definitely do it. I watch restoration videos all the time that I for different genres of things, and I don't have the tools or the knowledge to do any of that, but I, I appreciate watching other people do it sometimes. The only thing Tito missed, he actually posted a YouTube short about, and that's snipping the plastic on the inside to prevent motherboard damage. Now... You are talking or listening to the person who invented the hashtag no cut mod hashtag a couple years ago. So for me to say you should cut this piece of plastic means that you need to cut the piece of plastic. Because for whatever reason, the design that this console has, the plastic will scrape up against the motherboard, slowly wearing down the solder mask, and you could potentially just destroy the console this way. So check out the YouTube short as well. If you are doing a super graphics console, that way you could uh, have that one last little piece of, you know, final restoration. But yeah, that's, that's basically it. Uh, amazing video. I think it should be applied to all consoles and just uh, great work. Now it's time for this week's Mr. Updates, Care of Lou from Lou's Retro Source. As usual, I'm just going to skim through these real quick, but if you want more details, please check out Lou's video. First up, Wizzo's remote script just had a minor update that fixed a bug with the game's browser displaying files starting with a period, and it adds support for the Tap2 project. If, for whatever reason, the remote script doesn't update properly for you, just go to GitHub, download the, the SH file, overwrite it, and then restart your mister. That's what happened to me, and I had missed out on one of the newer features unknowingly. And now, it's been there for a while, but you could click on the games menu if you load up remote, find the game that you want and just add, hit the little three dots and add to favorites on the front page. And that just blew my mind when I figured out that feature worked because now on my Tate setup, I could just go in and use the remote app to add favorites to the front page. So now my dedicated Mr. Setup is just so much easier overall to work through. So love that app. Uh, next up, Attract17 posted that the CPS2 B board has been decapped. All the cells in the traceout is ready for Verilog implementation. So that is pretty awesome for pres preservation as well as for some of the security stuff that's involved in that. Next, the schematics for the Mystex FPGA baseboard is nearing completion. I actually just spoke to Hans this morning about it, and it's it's looking like you might be able to purchase a board and load up Mr. Code for under 150 bucks that could do almost the same things. So the Mist X project is basically taking 
MISTER and allowing it to be applied to different hardware platforms. So it's not a fork in the sense of now I'm doing it this way and not that way. It's more like a a celebration of the original and way to, to port it to different platforms without having to do a full and complete rewrite of everything. I did a, an interview with Hans that went into much better detail than the crap that I just said. So if you're interested, maybe hear it directly from Hans and not me. But uh, I'm just excited to see this thing happen. And I can't wait to test one just to see what it's like. Next up, tons more fixes for the N64 core. Robert's been posting on social media um, before and after shots showing all of the little things that were fixed. And it's really awesome to see this thing keep moving along. There's also more updates to the Saturn core with more games that have uh, improvements on them and compatibility. So super awesome to, to hear that that's, uh, that that's coming along. I'm really hoping to see the Saturn core get a little farther and the games that I've been playing on it so far have worked perfect. If you want a fun thing to try, try OutRun in 60 frame per second mode. It's one of the rare moments I've ever preferred the 30 frame per second. But anyway, uh, next up, if you have an S-Video or a composite adapter, like one of the Mike S ones, Midori on Twitter released some 3D printed files that provide cases for them. And it'll definitely work with the RetroCastle and Ultimate Mister adapters. So those 3D files are available if you want to download them. And that's awesome. Um, I'm definitely a fan of those. And thanks again to Mike for doing all of that work, bringing us composite and S-Video. Next up, the Tropical Angel Core has been updated with a bunch of changes, including a, a color palette fix to more closely represent the arcade monitor output. So thanks to Hayes, uh, a MAME developer, for jumping in to help. Love to see those teams working together like that. Next, the Carnival Core is almost ready for release. High score saving and loading just needs to be sorted out. So that's awesome. As always, thanks so much to Lou for keeping us updated and all of this stuff. I could never keep up with all of this without him, so please don't forget to subscribe to Lou as well. Some of the Humble Bazooka Bluetooth adapters are now back in stock and ready to ship at Stone Age Gamer. The price is $50 plus shipping, and the Neo Geo, Atari Jaguar, and 3DO adapters are the ones that are in stock. To be clear, the Neo Geo ones are compatible with AES, MVS, Neo Geo CD, and possibly with super guns that have a Neo Geo style port, depending on the super gun and the pinout. The PC Engine and TurboGrafx ones are out of stock, at least at the time that I'm recording this, but these are plug-and-play adapters that are based off of Darth Cloud's open-source Blue Retro software that allow for really low latency over Bluetooth. And in fact, if you're using a PlayStation DualSense controller, you can get less than half a frame of latency, which is really awesome from Bluetooth. So uh, if you're looking for plug-and-play modules, these are great. Also, if you have a Neo Geo, you can use these with that 8-bit Doe Neo Geo wireless controller. Funny enough, I've had that sitting here for six months and finally took it out of the box the other day, and I really like it. There are some complaints that it's not exactly like the original Neo Geo CD controller, but that's not something that matters to me personally. What matters to me is that it's a reliable, low-latency controller that I could use, and I've been using it with my dedicated Tate setup, and I just think it's perfect. That clicky D-pad, I don't really like for most things, but playing arcade games with them makes it kind of feel like I'm playing an arcade game. So if you wanted to use that with any of the Neo Geos, or I guess really any of these, um, the instructions on how to pair it is right here in the post. And yeah, definitely check these out. I'm always a big fan of, uh, of lower latency wireless adapters. And the fact that they're plug and play and don't require any modding is pretty awesome. 
that's it for this time. Before I go, anybody watching on video who, who's a fellow creator that cares about this stuff, what did you think about the camera swap? I got the Elgato Facecam Pro, the one that could do 4K60, and I used that from the opening up until the Retro Castle post. And the advantage is it does native 4K60, so in a situation like I have, I could zoom it to a 1080p window and essentially have what I was hoping to look like uh, more of a DSLR style, but with the convenience of a webcam. And then from the Retro Castle case post until now, I've been using the Kio, uh, the Razer Kio, the 4K31, which I feel like the lens looks more like a pro camera lens than the uh, Elgato does, but it's locked at 30 frames per second. And recently when I've been using the Razer, I get this weird pixelated like ISO thing happening that I don't understand why it's happening, to be honest with you. So I don't know which is better. I mean, the best would be for me to use my GH5 all the time, or, or if I were rich, I would just buy two and mount one for, for a webcam style. But I use the GH5 all the time for other things and transferring it back and forth just kills so much time. And with all respect, as much as I want my videos to look as good as possible, y'all don't really care what I look like in these weeklies. You're here to get the information that I talk about. And as long as, as long as the video isn't badly distracting, it's good enough. But I do want to look better than just a regular webcam. So any of your feedback, is there a preference from one to the other? Is there another solution? I could just grab the other Sony camera I have and try using that again. But the problem is I want full control from my PC. The GH5 does that, no problem. The Sony doesn't. So you still have to like reach behind. And I have this thing still mounted to the mic stand on the CD case, like I showed during my room, room tour. So I'm, I really am looking for a better solution to give that depth of field, me in focus, the stuff behind me a little bit blurred, which neither of these webcams kind of do that well, but I was really looking for that feel from a webcam. I also used the Elgato one for the live stream, and it's really cool to just grab the, the mic stand thing, then I have a long USB cable, bring it over, and there you go. Because for me, time is just the most valuable thing. So if it takes 10, 15 minutes to set something up versus 10, 15 seconds, if I have to step down the quality when it doesn't matter, then I will do it. If things like B-roll shots and fancier videos, I'm, I'm always going to use the better camera. But I'd certainly love to hear your opinions on it if you care. Uh, if not, hopefully you would have turned off the podcast by now anyway. So, uh, but anyway, as always, thank you to everybody who watches, listens, plays nicely in the comments. And thank you to everybody who supports because you are really who's keeping all of this stuff going. So thank you all so much. And I will see you next week. This week's roundup is brought to you by Neo Paradigm Entertainment, connecting Southeast Asian influencers with opportunities in the West.